All right, I want to welcome everybody um, to the Asterix Digital Transformation Podcast Series. Um, these are interviews with thought leaders and experts on developing a successful digital first strategy uh, for transforming life science R&D. My name is Kevin Miller. Uh, I'm going to be your host for today's podcast, and thank you very much for listening in. Um, before we get into the topic, of course, I want to introduce our speaker for today. Um, our topic is going to be next level digital transformation, which is reimagining what is possible. Uh, to get us started on a very timely topic, uh, I'd like to introduce our speaker, Dave Dorsett, who's a principal software architect with Asterix. Um, I've done a lot of programs with Dave in webinars, so we're thrilled to have him today. Um, he is a very experienced leader in the R&D field, uh, especially R&D informatics. He's led global digital transformation initiatives uh, that drive critical data science strategies to improve overall life science R&D. Um, from early research through product development, scale-up, manufacturing. Dave, thanks so much uh, for joining us today. If you want to take a few moments and, and tell us a little bit more about yourself and, and what you're going to do today. Sure. Uh, well, thank you very much for having me. I appreciate, appreciate the opportunity to speak with you today. Um, so as you mentioned before, I've been around this industry, life sciences, chemical manufacturing, uh, consumer products for quite a while. Um, I've been on the vendor side of things, producing software, commercial software for uh, R&D laboratories. Um, I've been on the customer side um, as well. I worked at a pharmaceutical company, large pharmaceutical company, for about 10 years uh, there. And last uh, five, 10 years or so, five-ish years now, I've been doing uh, consulting work. So helping small companies and large companies with various strategic problems how best to spend your money uh, from an informatics perspective based on where you sort of are as a company and your R&D strategy uh, up through large digital transformation uh, efforts as well. So I'm very pleased to be here today. Thank you very much for the Great. invitation. And, uh, and like I said, haven't had an opportunity to speak uh, with you on, on webinars. Those tend to be a little bit more passive. Now we get a chance to kind of chat back and forth, which I'm excited about. And, and thank you for making the trek down from sure. beautiful Vermont. We're glad <laughs> so, you get a little bit of warmer weather, which is Philadelphia <laughs> in January. Um, so obviously we're excited to hear more about you know, how to bring digital transformation to the next level. Many companies are obviously thinking about this right now or are involved in one level or another with some, you know, digital transformation. It's a big term. It encompasses a lot of stuff. And, um, you know, for science-based businesses, as we know, regardless of, you know, whatever their vision is of the future uh, or what products that they're trying to, to bring to market, um, digital transformation is going to be a part of it one way or the other. And with digital transformation... Uh, and putting data in the cloud or, 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 or what have you, data integrity obviously is going to come into play, right? Um, so let's kick it off with, with this question. How can organizations ensure data integrity and compliance is preserved um, during what is a highly disruptive process of digital transformation? Thanks. Um, I think uh, from my perspective, at least in the digital transformation realm, as you say, it's a very, very popular you know, topic of today, last five years or so, uh, these programs. I look at the aspects of data integrity with it as not an opportunity to preserve data integrity, but actually improve data integrity as part of as part of these efforts. Digital transformation, in its purest sense of the word, is transformative. If you believe the words, <laughs> um, and and in that sense, it's going to be disruptive. There's pretty much no way around that. Um, it is generally disruptive more in a cultural sense from an R&D organization perspective than it is in any technical sense. And in fact, the biggest challenges of digital transformation programs are cultural in nature. It's changing the way that people think and work together um, as groups and units. 
and uh, departments and teams, um, et cetera. And, and really the aspects of data integrity as applied to it, you know, the, the core fundamentals of what we consider data integrity, Alcoa or, or fair, types of, fair types of acronyms, aren't in conflict with digital transformation, in, in fact, at all. They're, they're necessary but not sufficient in some ways. Um, so, you know, part of the effort is really understanding that as you go through this journey of digital transformation, um, maintaining and enhancing your data integrity along the way is important, not just from a regulatory perspective or all the reasons that we're used to talking about data integrity, but in fact, from a scientific perspective. And guarding the provenance of your data, guarding, guarding the completeness and accuracy of your data and moving forward is actually a critical part of a successful digital, digital transformation exercise. So it's not about, to me, it's not about me, you know, just preserving data integrity. It's actually an opportunity to improve your data integrity in scientifically meaningful ways, in, in, along with, of course, maintaining the regulatory aspects of it. Well, do you find, so <clears throat> that's an interesting thing. You said a couple of points that, I, that maybe I wanted to drill down on interdepartments. Maybe you might have departments that historically don't talk to each other much, but once they start to go through the, the, this process, the transformation process, do they have to start kind of bumping up against each other and then they have to figure out how one person's data interacts with another person's data? Maybe they didn't have to think about that before? That, that's, that's very much a, the most fundamental part of digital transformation. Guiding the, the principles of a di digital transformation is really looking at how is the data actually being used. We're used to building our systems and we're used to approaching R&D informatics from the perspective of how we create data and building our systems around capturing that data, which again is an important very important part of things, certainly to, to data integrity aspects, but it's not sufficient from a transformative point of view. To truly transform, you actually have to look at who's using your data. Uh, so it's not about you, the creator of the data, the designer of the experiment, the guy at the bench executing, capturing the results, doing all that, which is the classic way we look at informatics in an R&D setting. It's really getting out of your shoes, getting out of your box, and going down the hall, finding out who's actually looking at your experiments and what are they looking at and what are they actually using. And that's part of the cultural aspect of these transforms is really coming out of the mindset of capturing all of the data you know, that you produce day in and day out and really starting to focus on who's using it for what purpose and how can we make that consumption of the data actually better and, and improve the integrity. Uh, from the point of view of the person consuming the data, how what aspects of the data might they need or want to be to better understand it, to better believe that it's complete and accurate and relevant to the problem set that they're actually looking at? Great, I, I, that's awesome insights. <clears throat> um, you know, taking that a step further, you, you kind of start to think about what does this lab of the future look like? You know, and obviously people are trying to get to that. It's a, it's a popular buzzword. Digitally connected lab, um, you know, all these terms associated with digital transformation. So when you you delve a little bit further into it, it generally means that the lab will be off paper. Um, laboratory systems will no longer be siloed, as well as you know their departments. Um, they'll be digitally connected to each other, and the tasks that will be considered manual have the potential, you know, to be to be automated. So that's the common perception uh, of what the end result of, of digital transformation is. So you know. Would you agree, however, that throughout the course of planning a digital transformation that the opportunity to wipe the slate clean, uh, so to speak, and completely reinvent the way your lab operates? I mean, is that, is that a fair thing? 
Yeah, absolutely. It's certainly an opportunity if you if you truly again buy into the transformation part of digital transformation, right? It is definitely an opportunity to sort of put aside some of the um, assumptions, uh, you know, that that have existed in the way that your environments are created, the way that you're managing your data, the way you're communicating the data, the way your teams are working together across functions, across disciplines, and look at it in a, in a you know basically with a clean slate, right, in, in that sense. And I think that's, a, that's the type of things that are, that's the type of thing that is really driving people's interest in, in a transform. I mean, the way we've been doing things, you know, it's not that it hasn't been successful, of course, as an industry, um, but, you know, it clearly, the general thought is that it could clearly be better. So let's think, rethink exactly how we do, how we manage the process of, from discovery to product, Right? Uh, we manage that, that, that process of taking something that is a new idea and a, or a new compound or a new, you know, new therapeutic of some form in the, in the pharmaceutical industry and actually making it all the way out to the patient itself. Like, how do we relook at that process in ways? Still maintaining you know, critical regulatory compliance aspects, of course, you know, in all that. But how do we as scientists rethink how we work with each other? Uh, that's the critical part of the digital transformation. Um, that's a great point. <clears throat> Very topical. Um, are there any particularly effective ways that people could reimagine workflows? So an example might be um, integrate compliance with overall R&D data flow uh, during a digital transformation program. Right. So I think, again, looking holistically at the things I think is part of the key. Um, one thing that's challenging in, in speaking about this is every company is a little different. And I mentioned before the importance of culture and the, and the impact of culture, you know, really in, in the overall digital transformation programs. Because of the importance of culture in this, every, there's not like a handbook. You can't, you know, can't go buy a handbook and say, do the following, follow the checklist and you will be digitally transformed. Um, so there's a, lot of, there's a lot of cultural aspects to it. That, that you really have to do pay, pay attention can't just to. do a YouTube video yeah, on it and figure that out yeah now. yeah can't google it and and, and be happy with with what you're going to find out <laughs> or find meaningful practical things certainly right and I guess that that's one of the things that's really key to me in, in, in sort of what I do is the practical things I want to I want to actually see things change right as a result of this not transformation in name but transformation in terms of what happens in the actual process itself. And, and so, you know, it is that opportunity to look holistically, you know, step out of, you know, step out of the position of just improving what you're doing that moment in that lab, right? Bringing in a system to just automate a specific set of experiments or do better data capture on that specific set of experiments, but really look at it in the bigger picture, you know, point of view. And again, from a transformation point of view, that holistic viewpoint is, is really the best, you know, the best place to be. That means, again, back to culture, that, it, that doing this requires high-level support, right? You're going to fundamentally be looking at the relationships between organizations and teams, right, in an R&D &D setting. And you can't do that entirely sort of bottoms up from sure. the point of view of the individual scientists. You really also have to have strong management support uh, to look at these questions because it does raise tough questions about, you know, how, how companies are actually performing the work. Definitely. Um, and of course, you know, when you get into these discussions about <clears throat> large scale transformation of how companies operate on one side of the fence, you've got culture, you've got processes. And then, of course, on the other side of the fence, you've got technology, which can oftentimes be one of the drivers. And, and 
there's no discussion of digital transformation in, in life sciences without the discussion of data science, artificial intelligence, machine learning. You know, where do these pieces fit in? Um, are, are, are people just chasing the next buzzword of tech, or are they appropriately incorporating these new technologies into their into their workflows? Do they not fully understand them yet? You know, what are some ways that they can incorporate these in intelligent ways they can actually use them without just going out and buying technology that might sit on the shelf? Yeah, I, that's a very fair question. There certainly is an amount of, of uh, buzzword happiness, right, in, in this. The phrase digital transformation itself is, in fact, a buzzword. Um, and, you know, AIML and, you know, unsupervised learning and all these things, you know, the industry has been through this many, many times. I've been through this many over the decades I've been working in this industry, you know, the latest set of buzzwords, right, and how that's going to radically change things. And and so there is an element of that. But but I think the other thing that's different right now, and you know, every every time frame, uh, every change essentially that we've we've gone through um, in in the environment in the R and D world, you know, has taken advantage of certain aspects of technology, right? That that have that have clearly evolved over time. And you know, it's it's fair to say that from a technical point of view, the current technologies around data capture, data storage. Um, and and use of data, whether that be uh, from sort of a direct point of view, tools like visualization and all that, or from the point of view of machine point of view, using it for AI and ML and doing unsupervised learning and that, that technology has advanced remarkably. We Every day we're now, our phones, you know, we're, we're faced with image recognition, you know, that's far beyond what we would have expected, you know, even 10 years ago, right? Walk into a store, hold your phone up to something, and you can get immediate feedback about where you can buy that item cheaper, <laughs> right, within your, within your locality or, or order it online, et cetera. So there is an aspect, a practical aspect of being able to use those technologies, right, in an R&D environment, absolutely. And that's a, that's a reasonable goal uh, for digital transformation programs. But to use those technologies effectively, you know, there's a number of steps that you actually have to go through in order to be able to get to that point as well. And I think you know, my concern is sometimes we overlook the prerequisites to getting to that point, to being able to use unsupervised learning, for example, and those types of things on our data. The data itself has to be ready to be used in that particular way. And the big part of digital transformation is all the homework that's actually required to get data into a format, uh, into a structure not so much a technical format, but actually a structure and contextualize in, a right, in the right kind of way that people can use it uh, beyond the person who created the data. That's one of the bigger challenges. As a scientist working in a laboratory, designing an experiment, executing an experiment, you're holding in your head a tremendous amount of context for why you did the experiment and how to interpret the results that have actually come out of that. And we have we are still working through the process of how to actually capture that kind of context and communicate that to other people that can then use our data. And that's a critical part of the cultural aspect that I was talking about before. That, that you know, when I talked about the, the idea of like going to find people who are trying to use your data and ask them what they're trying to do with it and what's their frustration points with it and were they able to use it successfully, that's the kind of feedback loop that can help you understand the missing pieces of context right, that need to be augmented and captured for that data to be useful. And doing that person to person is as effective as a tool, uh, as effective as a way 
to being able to treat that data with machine technologies as well. So the same kinds of gaps that a machine is going to find <laughs> in being able to properly interpret the data to use it in, in, you know, in an AI ML kind of sense, people are going to find those same gaps for you. So you know, this, whole, this whole process of digital transformation can be viewed people to people, but clearly can also be viewed as, as making data more useful for machines as well. I think the two are inherently linked to, to each other that way. I guess it's like the age-old thing, like, you know, you can have a conversation with someone and understand the context, but if they send you a text and you don't have context behind the little sentence of that, you can misconstrue it and you don't know what it means or, or you can take things out of context. So context is certainly important. So that cultural aspect, it plays a big role. So tech, um, all the data, all the new methods for, for, for processing data, um, all the new um, advanced learning technologies, et cetera. How do these practically play a role in data integrity, you know, as we, you know, as we kind of get to the end of this digital transformation, you, of course, you've got the, the cultural aspect of it. You've got the executive sponsorship has to say, okay, we're going to do this. Um, the interdepartmental, you know, uh, connections that, you know, have to be made that maybe didn't exist before. All these different pieces leading up to it, the, the capture of good data so that you can feed these systems. Once these systems are doing their thing, you know, then you know, do you have some experience or some thoughts on how that helps with the compliance and the data integrity piece? I think, I think what's important here is there's two different ways to look at data integrity, at least two different ways to look at data integrity, but two main ways I, I try to think about it. So one is from the compliance point of view, right? And so what, what, what you need from a regulator's point of view to ensure the integrity of your data, uh, the meaningfulness of it, there's a number of of um, technical aspects, if you will, uh, that that need to be incorporated into your thinking and into your programs, basically. So you need to make sure that you're appropriately tracking the provenance of your data, right? That you that you have made appropriate um, allocations in your system sense, right? For where did this data come from? Where did it go? You know, how do we know it is the same that it was when it was actually created and came off the original instrument? You know, et cetera. So there's a number of very technical things. Uh, that become requirements effectively in, in the program itself as you decide what data flows you're actually going to use. And so that's one important aspect of data integrity. And that's more, um, more formulatic in, in, in some ways, right? You, can, you, can, you should be able at the end of that, you know, be able to assert that type of data integrity, prove that type of data integrity by the way that you've constructed your systems and the relationships between the systems. The other type of data integrity is from a scientific point of view, right? So as a scientist, it's, and that's like, to me, that's another layer, right, on top of this. As a scientist, I want to know that, that the data hasn't been changed, that the data is complete, you know, that it's accurate, you know, all, all of the things uh, that we would normally uh, sort of check off against Alcoa Plus or other, other sorts of notions of data integrity. But in addition to that, I need that other piece, those other pieces of context as a scientist from, for that type of definition of data integrity. So I truly think that these programs that we're, that we're embarking on now, this, this decade, if you will, of, of improvement on laboratory data management and, and, and the use of digital transformation is not just an opportunity to improve the regulatory type of data integrity, but also the scientific type of data integrity and make our data more useful uh, to other scientists. That's always been a critical struggle. Uh, in science, you know, scientists never like to throw away data. Right? We we keep everything, <laughs> uh, the ultimate pack rats from from a data perspective, right? But but you know, 
to, uh, to people other than the person who's created that data, that data has always struggled to have usefulness, right? And I think that is approaching data integrity from that point of view, layering on top of the compliance and the regulatory definition of data integrity to reach for those types of goals is really the opportunity uh, with these kinds of programs. It's good stuff. And it's great to hear, you know, a scientist talk about these type of projects because, you know, that's one of the things that, you know, has been a hallmark of, of Asterix is we hire scientists and our scientists are the people who go in and, and work with customers to, to drive these projects forward. So people who've been on the bench and people who've, who've done this, um, it's, a, it's a unique thing uh, with, with, with how Asterix deploys folks to help with these digital transformations. Um, it's an exciting time, I think, for, for life science. Um, you know, there's a flurry of new technologies. There's a, rec a realization that you have to come off paper and we've got to really use this data to drive forth um, these products into the market and make people, you know, feel better, hopefully. So uh, leave us off with a couple of thoughts on, on round us out and then we'll wrap up. Sure. I think just, just building on something there in, in your response that I was thinking about too, I think all too often we view digital transformation programs as technology projects and that's not that's not the true nature of this, right? You know, I'm a, I'm a, I practice science vicariously, right? To be clear, I mean, I don't, I don't do science anymore. I was trained as a scientist, but uh, now I, now I get to apply basically sort of, you know, the technology of IT to, to science and, um, and, and be around the science essentially in that sort of sense, which is where I get a lot of my motivation and energy from. But the, the, the technology aspect of things is really, you know, I don't know, it's at least at most secondary, maybe even tertiary, right, in these, types of, in these types of transformative programs. We all too often, I think, one of the traps I see people coming, falling into around these programs is, is really viewing it as an opportunity to do very specific system-oriented kinds of things and, and being too fixated on the, on the, I've got this cool technology, let me go find a problem that I can, I can apply it to, right? Mm -hmm. And what I advocate in terms of the digital transformation side of things is really to look at it like I said, from the scientist point of view, from the people point of view, really here. So it's not that systems and technology aren't important, and clearly at the end of the day, you're going to want to implement things, right? At the end of the day, it has to be to be realizable. You know, there is a very important technology and you know aspect of choosing the right technology, and making sure it's scalable, and all those all those kinds of things, performance, et cetera. But um, but really the start and, and the driving forces of in, in a digital transformation exercise are really about the scientist to scientist level of, of things. So I guess, you know, one, one, one word of encouragement I would have to people is, you know, don't just think of it as a, as a it's another system implementation. Pick your three-letter acronym, ELN, LIMS, whatever, right? Um, it's not another implementation of another system like that. It's not an upgrade of those systems. It's really got to be a whole way of thinking about things that's different from, from the way we've been doing things traditionally. So, Great. It's always a great uh, time to listen to you talk, Dave, and, and hear your thoughts on, on these things. As I said, it's, it's an interesting and compelling time in life science with such a, a wave of technolo technological innovation and, and pushing forward off of paper onto digital. So um, thank you for making a trip down. Uh, it's, always, it's always great uh, to work with you. 
Um, thank everybody for for listening in and downloading the podcast today. Obviously, stay uh, stay tuned as there are plenty more podcasts coming uh, as part of the series in the future. Again, my name is Kevin Miller. We're with Asterix, and this was our Digital Transformation Podcast. Dave, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Hopefully, you've got a few things to take away for thought material. That would be that's, – that's my goal. So Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody. Appreciate it.